Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode one seventy one of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And I'm joined by the better half of this podcast, George Montanez. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto underscore Nino. George took a week off again. You know, we, I feel like we take one week off a month. We get, we get, we try to do one a week, but realistically, it's like every third week, we're like, meh. What's up, man? <laughs> What's up, man? Yeah. And the one week we took off, uh, you know, we basically got a whole off season worth of news um in one week so <laughs> that's true it's funny because if you go back and listen to the last episode it starts off with i don't know when there's gonna be baseball not sure there's gonna be baseball the the episode came out on march 10th and then, then there was baseball so that's that right. shows you so yeah and the thing is those we thought you know we we did have this discussion of like are we gonna do news are we gonna do this so every other podcast has covered the news so well we figured we'll let other podcasts do it uh there's nothing that we can say about the news that you haven't heard I think obviously we can give our opinions on what we think about it, but I'm sure you've heard our opinions somewhere else. If you care, feel free to hit us up on Twitter and ask. Glad to bring them up, bring up the questions on the podcast. Although we didn't even ask for questions for this one. Just kind of, <laughs> we are really batting a thousand, huh? Um, yeah. Is there, I'll, I will ask, is there one move in particular for you that uh, made the biggest impact for your teams? Oh, for my teams? Oh man, I got to, um, I got. Oh, I think just off the top of my head, or just in uh, general, the biggest impact. Uh, well, one, well, one of the, for my per, uh, now I'm being I'm being selfish. One of the bigger impacts was Jesse Winker. I was really big on Jesse Winker. I viewed Jesse Winker as a fallback, like a poor man's uh, Brian Reynolds. I didn't think the I thought the batting average could be close enough, and he actually offered more power upside in that ballpark. It was the lefty issues that concerned me with with Winker, but I knew that he hit so well against righties and had that ballpark that I wasn't so concerned about the splits because I'm like, okay, he'll perform so well against righties. The splits don't matter. Now he's going to a ballpark where every projection system has almost dropped him like 20 points in batting average. He goes from being Jesse Winker in, in, in Cincinnati to almost like the, the projections have him almost like a Nick Castellanos in his Detroit days. And I can see that, you know, if you lose some of that power and batting average, it turns into like a 265 hitter and 25 home runs. And that's not terrible. He's still going to hit at the top of the order. Jesse Winker is, but, but it turns him into like a pre-breakout Castellanos, you know, and that's yeah. 
that was one that is a guy because he was a guy I really enjoyed falling back on because I really liked Brian Reynolds, but I never got I kept missing out on him and it'd be like, okay, fine, you take Brian Reynolds, I'll take Jesse Winker. So now I've had to readjust and um that's been one of the bigger moves that I could think of off the top of my head since you sprung that on me without me expecting it. Do you have one now? <laughs> I'll give you time to think. Do you have one that uh <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, I I I wish I had more Chris Bryant at this point. I know you were in on Bryant. I so, was, and then, and then I and then I diversified. I loved his dual position eligibility. That's really what it was for me. It was a third baseman with a high floor and played two positions. And outfield being the other position, the third base. Yeah, I didn't. I, I always viewed outfield as being thinner than I typically than I felt like it typically was due to all the guys in the first like twenty five picks being like multi positional eligible. So Chris Bryant was a guy that I I wasn't on. I just got another share of him though. I think I only had one or two before. But my recent, my most recent OC, which is a twelve teamer with Fab. I went ahead and jumped the ADP by like 30 picks because he belonged. He's a top 50 pick now. Think Daniel Murphy and cores, basically. I feel like that's kind of what we're getting. The good Daniel Murphy and cores, not the bad Daniel Murphy and cores. Yeah, um, I, I think that that move to to Colorado really, um, yeah, that, that's a big mover right there uh, for, for his value uh, as far as, I mean, because that, that batting average is, is pretty much safe there uh, in Colorado, and we know he can – Probably like I, I would project him to repeat like a 2019 line, like 280 average, and that's probably being conservative. Uh, 280 with like 30, 31 home runs. Um, so yeah, those those good. A handful, uh, a handful of steals too. So he he turns into like a four and a half category guy instead of being like a three and a half category guy. Yeah, yeah, a, a guy selfishly that uh, that I had drafted a a ton of um, Seiya Suzuki got a landing spot with, in uh, Chicago with the Cubs. So you know, I mean first hurdle was signing with an MLB team. That was a big risk as I was drafting early, but uh, now I think I got a pretty good discount at this point. Yeah. And honestly, I grabbed a few too. Cause I, I was with you. I, I we were both really liked him. I know you were a little higher than I was even on say Suzuki, but I had like two or three shares, which was great. I was like, sweet. I got him on two or three teams. And I know we actually have him on the battle of the pods team, but you know, a player yeah. that, that gained probably the most value because the position as a whole hasn't changed much at all if at all it actually might have gotten tougher but alex colomay like i hate to say that but it, and it's gross but colomay should be the closer in colorado and you know what if i told you on march 23rd we have baseball in like two weeks if i told you on march 23rd that alex colomay has a job and craig K- craig kimbrell didn't you wouldn't believe me and no. that's <laughs> and that's where we're, and that's where we're at Alex Colomay just became a, someone that you have to roster in most formats because you need saves. He's someone that I feel like has more secure of a job. If not, I'm pretty sure he has the job. I know I don't think they've out, I don't think they've come out and said it outright. Maybe you've seen something I haven't, but Colomay should have the job. Meanwhile, we lost Will Smith because of the Kenley signing. We don't have Kimbrel like we expected him to be traded by now. Um, I, I think Trinan was, they already kind of said it's going to be more of a committee approach, even though I do think Trinan gets most, if not, you know, majority of those save ops. I really do believe that. Um, but it's still not a, sh- a sure thing. There's no security there. The position hasn't yeah. gotten, we were expecting clarity by now and it's gotten muddier because we've lost Will Smith and losing Will Smith. You don't gain a Will Smith back by gaining a column a. and nothing else has happened in between very little. I should say has happened in between. I don't feel like this really like I feel like closers going early is just going to be the trend throughout the rest of the camp at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's just gotten more um, more muddier. Um, yeah, I had I had a lot of Blake training. It was like 11th, 12th round Blake training. Um, now, 
I think he's like an now he's probably now, right? yeah, like seventh eighth rounder yeah, at least in fifteen teams. Yeah, Colin May yeah, in in fifteen teamers he should be rostered everywhere. Yeah. Um, you should have an opportunity to draft you know three relievers you feel good about in twelve teamers before getting to Colin May because yeah, who who knows what kind of numbers that's going to come with? But hey, <laughs> when you're in a fifteen in a fifteen team league, I mean saves are saves there. Um, uh, but what, yeah, do. You, uh, back when he was with, uh, sorry, to, last thing before we get into the outfield, because we're just going to do outfield part two. Obviously, you know that if you click on the title, and we're going to talk, and we're going to go post. I think we talked about the top 30. We're looking at OC, which is Online Championship League ADP. It's basically 12 teamers with Fabs, so 12, 12 teamers with a waiver wire. I feel like that's a very applicable, um, a very, very common type of league to play in. So we're going to talk about, we're going to look at that ADP since March 1st till now. Today's what, March 23rd? We're going to talk about the guys outside top 30. We'll go through some of them and then we'll start jumping around because it's just kind of a giant glob. We'll talk about some of our preferences. Some guys are fading, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to bring up real quick. And I don't remember how many saves they got about Colome, but um, what was it? Holland and who else? Wade Davis, I think were two names that ended up getting like 30 something saves in Colorado the years that they closed there with, they didn't have the best ratios, but they ended up getting like 30 something saves those years. Remember those? Remember those? I know you, you, if you look it up, you'll be like, wow, I forgot how much. No. Yeah. I, I I do remember. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and and look it up though. Yeah. Wade Davis in 2018, 43 saves. I mean, and yeah, Holland, Greg Holland in 2017, 3.61 ERA had 41 saves as well. So <laughs> it's like Colorado. I mean, these guys putting up, you know, mediocre ratios. I think Colin may can keep it around four, if not a little below four. I'm not saying he's going to be anything special. He's not going to have the strikeouts, but you've seen bad closers or mediocre closers get a good amount of saves in the past. I think this, I mean, honestly, I know on paper they're worse than the Padres, but I think it's because the pitching, because the Padres look really bad on paper. They've missed on everybody they've gone after this year. The D backs are bad. Obviously, the Giants are going to giant. They're going to they're going to platoon and work their way. I still I look at the Giants. I still don't understand how they were so good last year. And then you have yeah. the Dodgers. That are, <laughs> the Dodgers are just going to they should run away with that division. So it's like that division. There might be more wins there than we think. At least close wins for the Rockies. So I think Colme can like if he stole if he stole if he saved thirty games this year, it would surprise me. But it wouldn't surprise me just because of again referencing Holland and Wade Davis as recently as they were closer to this team. Just throwing that out there. Just just food for thought. Draft Colome. I hate to say it. I just did. He's my third. He, he's your third reliever. And if you want to get a step ahead of your teammates, league mates at all, I should say league mates, not teammates. Um, you want that third closer. Colome's going to get <laughs> You hear how gross that sounds like. He's going <laughs> to do it, but I don't want to talk about it. All right. Now, jumping into the outfield pool. I already mentioned Jesse Winker. Perfect. He's outside the top 30. Was a guy that uh, dropped down. But a guy I want to talk about. Kyle Schwarber just signed with Philly. He looks like he's going to be leading off. Um, do you kind of value him similarly? Like you knew wherever he was going, he was going to kind of be in the top of the order, a, a masher of sorts, great on base guy. I think it's a. I think it's as expected. I think he's moving up because I get it. He, he's in a good lineup. He's leading off or likely leading off. He's in a good ballpark. So I understand a little bit of moving up, but I don't know. I feel like 31, 31st overall outfielder, just behind guys like Hanniger, Stanton, Bellinger. I think that's right where he belongs. Yeah, yeah. I was, um, I, I've been in on Schwarber. So, I mean, you've got to love the landing spot. Obviously, that's going to push him up. I, I was drafting him uh, in, in early drafts. I was getting him, you know, around like pick 130 or so. Um, probably, yeah, not going to go there uh, at this point going forward. 
the ADP that we have, he's he's at 113. If we tighten the the date range, it's probably higher than that even. Um, but yeah, lo- love it. Love last year, um, his improvement against lefties. So yeah, I, for for me, he was someone that like the landing spot didn't matter because I mean he can hit 30 homers anywhere. Um, but yeah, just just landing in in Philly, man. That's that's a wonderful. Just some tough pitching in that division. That's all. Like we start nitpicking. Like the toughest pitching isn't on even on his team. You know, you have the Mets. The Marlins are actually really good. The Nationals are TBD, but most likely not great. Um, just for reference on that division, I know I'm missing a team, obviously too. Why? Why can't I think of the other team I'm missing? My in, the, in my favorite team's division, the Braves. The Braves have decent <laughs> pitching. Yeah. And the World Series Braves at that. Look at that. Um, maybe we could, maybe I want to forget about the Braves because their lineup is really damn solid too, all the way up and down. But uh. Anyway, so beyond Schwarber, Winker, obviously I mentioned Miles Straw, Ryan Mountcastle, Miles Straw, Ryan Mountcastle. I think I said there. I feel like I messed that up. Anyway, any interest in either of those guys? You have Straw, who's kind of obviously the speedster. Mountcastle, who takes a little bit of a ding because of the ballpark factors changing. Kind of mediocre otherwise. I'm not a huge fan. No, I'm down on them. Uh, either one of them interests you? Do you have any of either one of them? Do you see yourself drafting? I don't know if you have any more drafts coming up, but I'm assuming you do because I know I do. And I, I don't see myself drafting either one of these if I can avoid it, but. What are your overall thoughts on those? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Uh, Miles Straw, he's like his profile is just not one that I like. I like to target. You know, very very little power. Um, with that, I mean, he he will give you. You know, he will give you 30 steals. He stole 30 bases last year. He will give you 20 to 30 steals. Um, and decent batting average, good on base skills. I mean, I don't think um like he would be a risk to losing his job per se, but. He's just not the kind of profile that uh, that I'd be going after at, at this point. I get it if you really need the steals, but um, no. I, at this point, I'm still looking for trying to look for you know a little more balance um, in my picks. And then yeah, with with Mountcastle, I think he's just going a little too high um, relative to the other guys at his position, and, and just what we saw last year with the 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 bad plate discipline. You know, I think there's a really big uh, batting average risk there, and yeah, I just feel a little more comfortable with uh, the first baseman um, going later. So. Uh, yeah, I think I'd rather have his uh, teammate, uh, Man- uh, Trey Mancini, you know, like 70 picks later. You don't have to talk me into Mancini. I'm, I'm a Mancini guy compared to, especially when you compare the two. And I don't see much difference in them, except for one's way, way more affordable for my fantasy team. So that's yeah. the one I'm going to take. Um, moving on to real quick, Grisham and Kelnick. I feel like you're either in on one or the other. Taking both is really tough to do. Um, Kelnick, I think, is going to end up hitting towards the bottom of that lineup. Early indications suggest he could hit close to seventh. And he, last I looked, he wasn't doing great in spring training. For what it's worth, it shouldn't mean a lot. But somebody like him, you're hoping to see a quick start out of because, you know, Kelnick had that rough start, finished decent. And you would hope he'd roll into the season swinging a hot bat against subpar opponents. However, Trent Grisham's a guy that I haven't even looked at spring training because I feel like he's, you're secured with the Grisham. I'm very much in on him. I just, again, just drafted him on my most recent team. Last year, he gave you 15 home runs, 13 stolen bases. The batting average isn't great, but at 242 and 251 in the last two seasons, if he's around that range in today's game, that's fine because I'm, I, I'm getting double, I'm getting 15, 15 roughly. Like almost, you can almost pencil that in and pen, you know? He did 15 and 13, Grisham did, in 132 games. And he should be leading off all the time. Last year, they had other options. This year, they don't really have the depth. Going back to what the Padres not kind of being bad. I don't think he's going to, I don't think Grisham's going to platoon lead off. I think he's just going to lead off every day, be be damned. And I think 2020 is in the cards. And I like, again, I know the batting average won't be a strength, but I think easily a path to 100 runs 2020 
And if you look at the on-base skills, they're there. The plate discipline's there. It's not a matter of getting on base to run. He's. I think it's just a matter of playing. I feel like it's just a matter of staying healthy, and I don't see that being too much of an issue for him. So long-winded way of me saying I'm in on Grisham, out on Kelnick. Do you have any opposing thoughts to either one of those? Uh, no, I'm pretty much with you. I could see it with Grisham. I don't really have any Grisham uh, this year yet, just because in, in this range. I, I'm, I've pretty much been out on this range of outfielder um, right after whoa, whoa, Schwarber. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. Guriel's right here. We're about to get to him. That's your boot. No, I was just no. I, I was just <laughs> gonna say basically from from uh, Winker at pick one seventeen down to um, like Austin Meadows at one forty seven. I don't really have. We're talking Winker, Straw, <laughs> Mountcastle, Grisham, Kalenic, Chris Taylor, and Austin Meadows. Um, basically from like one fifteen or so to to one forty. This is where I'm getting like Willie Adamas, Cabrian Hayes. Maybe I'm getting my third. Uh, starting pitcher and like Nathan Eovaldi, Luis Garcia. Uh, so just relative to the other positions, I, I, I like the guys a lot more. And then I jump back into outfielder. Um, yeah. Uh, when we get to Lourdes Gurriel, who, yeah, that's, that's one of my guys, man. I, I have him rostered in just about all my teams. We saw what he did basically after the first two months of the season. And we learned too, that like he was kind of playing with um, a, a knee injury um, and knee was kind of bothering him, but we saw after the first two months of the season from, from June 1st on 17 homers with the 291, 346, 520 slash line uh, with only a 314 Babbitt. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a fluke, you know, and 18% strikeout rate. And he's not someone that's been known for like good plate discipline. Uh, you look at his walk rates, like, you know, right around 5%, 6% uh, in 2020. But from June 1st on, uh, it was at about 8%, 7.9% walk rate. So if he could do that over four months and, and if he can carry that over um, into this season and walk a little bit more, just give him the uh, the context of that lineup. It's only going to help him, um, you know, actually score some runs and stuff. So, yeah, I really like uh, Lourdes Gurriel. 11.5% uh, barrel rate, 46.9%. He was just crushing the ball the last four months of this. And so um, going, yeah, right around here, uh, at 147, you're looking at, you know, ninth, 10th round, Lourdes Gurriel, uh, good piece in the, hitting the heart of that uh, Toronto lineup. I mean, I'm, I'm all in on that. Is it weird? I'm monitoring Keston Hira and Rowdy Telez so closely. I just thought I'd throw that <laughs> out there. Um, I'm not, and you know, again, anybody listening to this podcast for over the last year, which first off, we thank you. Secondly, five-star rating review, greatly appreciated. Forgot to plug that at the beginning of the show. Thirdly, you know I've been anti-hero forever. The price is so good. It's just you look, you look it right in the eyes. You're like, how do I say no to that? And then like he's hitting in spring. He's not striking out every at bat. Last spring he ha he had a good spring, but he also struck out like majority. Like if he didn't hit the ball, it was a strikeout. This spring so far not the case. Again, baby steps, and he's taking them. I have a hard time seeing the Brewers red light him in terms of playing time if he shows this type of you know, performance all spring training. So that goes to show, like, where is that playing time going to come from? That's to be determined. The DH helps out with that, of course. But just one of the things I just wanted to put out there, plus he's playing left field today. So technically, I'm kind of <laughs> talking about an outfielder, right? Um, but yes, yeah, so that, I, 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 hey, I, I, I want to see Hera do good. I mean, I was I was really, uh, I was a big fan of Hera going into 2020. Uh, so I, after that, after that 2019 rookie season, uh, I, I was I was in on here, so I, I want to see him do. I want to see him. Former top prospect, 
the team, you know, the team brought over Telez, and I understand. My thing is, is they brought over Telez because he was a he was he was a giveaway. He was a gift. Like said, hey, here, take this guy. We don't want him. And the Brewers were like, you know what? We'll take Rowdy. Sure. And I I believe in Rowdy. I want to believe in Rowdy. I just don't think that Rowdy's anything special enough to hold Hero back if Hero is showing that he's capable. I understand Hero has to show it first. So that's why I'm watching it so closely because I don't see how this team. Like, I get, but again, the DH is there. I know McCutcheon was brought in, but I think McCutcheon is going to be more of a lefty platoon bat out of the DH initially. So Rowdy and McCutcheon can be a natural DH platoon, or Keston can you know maybe be stuck DHing if he's play if he's hitting against right hitting against lefties, not righties, etc. A lot of ways to figure it out. But I'm just watching that situation very closely. That's all. Almost like I should make a podcast or just do a podcast about. What I'm watching is spring training because it's almost like I look at spring training lineups every day or something. Um, speaking <laughs> of bonus content, you want my notes in an easy to read way. George is throwing up some sleeper stuff. I'm throwing up some sleeper stuff. We moved over to Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can read all of our posts or most of our posts, I should say. Some of the stuff's for the higher tiers, but we have a Discord server for the $3 a month uh, spot. And then we have a $10 a month thing. So we have different levels of of uh we offer different levels all that so if, if anyone's interested wants to check it out it's on patreon.com backslash i think backslash uh, sk playbook or you could just it's actually in my twitter bio now it's the links there um you can find it on the website skplaybook.com it's under the premium section so again if you want to check us out on and support the growth of everything we're going to try bring on another writer and kind of everything grows so we appreciate everybody who checks it out and joins us uh, um yeah all right, Definitely. a little late for a, a little late for the plug, but <laughs> hey, people are listening, people are engaged, people probably fast forwarded through this. Uh, back to the outfield, Akil Badu, he's going right around this range, and I don't, I have zero Akil Badu. He's going to lead off or hit second in that line, most likely lead off. Badu, you know, has shown flashes. I, I want to buy in, but again, he's going before say Suzuki, which I think that's changing now that Suzuki signed and Suzuki's Suzuki's high pick is 122 compared to Badu's 130. So I think that's already flipping. But with Suzuki right there, with I already told you I confessed my love for Grisham. I don't get Badu because I'm taking one of those two guys ahead of him. Are you kind of in that same boat? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't have any Badu either, and and for me, I mean, yeah, I, Guriel, I know he'll lead off. Suzuki. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I know he'll lead off against um against right-handers, but it, it's the massive struggles against lefties. You know, I, I do think that um that I mean he'll be a strong side platoon guy. I I I don't know if he he's gonna play much against against lefties. They have they had him platooning in left field with Eric Haas last year. Haas uh, much better against lefties. Um. I mean, that's why I've kind of like Haas as a as still like a, a late uh, catcher too, because uh, I do think he'll play some left field against against left-handed pitching. Um, so that that's just my concern with Badu. Like, yeah, can he can he maybe go 15, 20? Sure, but is it gonna come with like a you know 230, 240 batting average? And how many counting stats uh, are you gonna get if he if he only plays 130 games? Uh, it, so it's just it's just not what. Yeah, I'm just not in on, on on him at this price at 150. That's kind of where I'm at. But again, it's not even being out on Badu the player. It's more being in on others around him more. Yeah. So that's why I find myself out on Badu. So it's like I, I I'm not opposed to drafting him. It's just I can't draft him because of Suzuki and Grisham. And I diversify a lot in my portfolio. That's why, like, other than Matt Manning being on, like, six of my eight teams because they were all deep league options, 
Matt Manning and Spencer Howard are like two of my most rostered players. And that's why, because I played in these super deep leagues where I could roster them and they were somebody I can grab in every league. Other than that, somebody rostered in like 40% of my leagues is a lot for me because I just diversify so much. But but I still, I, this is where that range where I won't diversify. I don't diversify as much as we get to this part because this part, I like to get certain skill sets and the power speed combos of Grisham and what we perceive to be one in Suzuki. I just want to drive that home as to why we are out or out on Kabadu is because of the people around him more than the player himself. But speaking of massive splits, that's the reason why I'm out on Meadows. I think there's a potential to platoon and Meadows just, if he's not running, then he's really just giving you power and playing time headache. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I, uh, I have one share of Meadows and honestly, I, I'm hoping he gets traded <laughs> to be completely yeah. honest. He I, wasn't I, even I bad feel... last year. Like, the Babbitt killed him, 249 Babbitt, but I'm guessing that's, I'd have to go digging probably because of the shifts and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he didn't need, he had less than 600 play appearances, still put up 27 home runs, struck out only 20.6% of the time, which was a career best, while walking at a yeah. 10% clip. So the skills were there. It's just a matter of, he got bad Babbitt luck and doesn't play against every lefty. So it's it's frustrating because... Right. And depending on if it's not daily rosters, now you're stuck taking some, you know, you're, you're, there's a week where he has four or five starts. He might only play three of them. Do you start that three start Meadows or a four start? And we can scroll down and pick a random four start. Um, I don't know, Lane Thomas, like, and you know, Thomas is probably gonna play every day, blah, blah, blah. So it becomes like the either ors and I don't like having to play that game. So yeah, yeah. That's- I, I do feel like maybe a move will be coming at some point with Tampa Bay. I know they've been trying to move um, one of their center fielders, like uh, Kevin Kiermeyer. I do feel like a move is going to come at some point, and someone is going to be rostering these guys, either like um, Manuel Margot or even Austin Meadows, and they're going to land in a more favorable spot with, with more playing time. Um, I, I just feel like maybe a move could be coming, especially with uh, the injuries that they have right now and their pitching staff. So, I mean, we'll see how that plays out, but... Yeah, I, I don't have much much meadows, but I, I do see the upside for sure. I mean, we were talking about this guy as like, you know, top fifty potential, like, you know, top three, four rounds, um, basically just before last season. So like going into twenty twenty, and we kinda all saw like how twenty twenty played out for a lot of guys and um twenty twenty one and yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I you know, he did still did some good things, like you said, just a twenty percent strikeout rate. I, I do see some bounce back potential here. It's just the situation that I don't really like. Speaking of outfield, we mentioned Trey Mancini. They mentioned he would get some outfield reps. Did not notice it until right now. He actually played right field today. So there you go. Nice. They're showing like, that's not like it, it's. And the reason why that is important is because I'm actually going to go and thank you to one of our Patreons uh, in our chat in our Discord. He went ahead and was like, "Hey, it's almost like, hey, do you, do you think you can pretty much go through and find anybody who might add eligibility?" And I'm like, "That's a great idea." And I look at these lineups so much, and I kind of monitor it without already monitoring it that. I think I'm going to go team by team tonight when we get off this podcast, actually, and probably just knock it out real quick. Now, what, I th- what I'm wondering is, this, do I keep it to Discord only? Do I share that? I feel like some, I think that's very, inf- very good information that belongs on the lineup chart as a tab. But I was, it was a record, it was a request from the Discord. Do I leave it for their precious eyes? You know, just little things like that. It's just one again, another little edge, and um, I don't know, maybe a shameful, pl- a shameless plug for the Discord server. But <laughs> it's one of those things I am going to go through. So, uh, Trey Mancini. I'm actually updating my notes now. Ancini played right field for the first time today. There we go. Boom. Simple note. I might, and that's funny because I actually updated it. I haven't updated on the chart yet. That was just the background notes that I keep. Anyway, um, moving on. So we're in this range again. Hunter Renfro, power. 
I feel like this is where you start getting your need-based picks. Um, Verdugo, do you have any – I think he's in about sixth in that lineup. That's not very appealing to me. He's kind of already that like high-floor, boring guy. I think you're taking away some of that floor when you move him down the lineup. Is, is Verdugo – Carlson's kind of the same discussion. I think they're the same player. No real interest in either, so I'll just group them together real quick. Yeah, same uh, out on both these guys. Um, Verdugo uh... – Another guy with with pretty massive splits uh, against lefties, only hit a 228 against lefties, 321 against righties. So, I mean, yeah, a, a strong side guy. Um, maybe he hits higher in the lineup against righties. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, another guy that I'm I'm not really in on it. And Carlson as well. I, I just feel like there's guys going um, later that offer, you know, similar production. Um, you know, I, I know he was like a big breakout prospect. When was it, like 2019 was his big breakout year as a prospect? Um, and just kind of hasn't come to fruition yet. I, I mean, he's still young, and, and there's still, you know, a lot of potential there. Uh, but I, I'm not sure how much he's going to run. I think that's a big factor. And, um, yeah, there's just there's just some guys, like, going uh, – th- there's a group of here that I really do like to attack. This is where I'm getting – where I'm getting, like, two or three of these guys and filling out my outfield going right after Carlson. And, obviously, El Garcia, Marcelo Ozuna, Eddie Rosario, Alex Kirilov, Andrew Benintendi. Um uh, yeah, I, I like all these guys. A couple of picks after that, uh, Jorge Soler I have rostered in, in a lot of my leagues. Uh, so I, I like a lot of these guys going after. So I'm not, yeah, the, uh, Carlson isn't someone that I've been in. So you mentioned, I, I think, Avi, we know with Garcia, it's power, a little bit of power and speed, playing time, so middle of the order in Miami. Ozuna, what he once was, middle, middle of the order in Atlanta, great lineup. Rosario kind of right behind him in that batting order. We saw how good he was last year. Gave a little bit power speed as well. So I don't think people might realize, I think he had like 11 stone bases last year. Kind of surprised me when I found that, when I realized that too. Mm-hmm. So Rosario, I feel like, yes, that's it. I love I like that group as well, but, but Karoloff, I want to push back on. I'm not as confident in Kirilov, and I think Kirilov's going to bat at the bottom of that batting order. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the playing time because with at first base you have Sano who is locked in DH. You have Sano who can do that, but then you also have uh, Gary Sanchez who they want to DH more to keep his bat lineup slash not let him catch all the time. Fine, but then what? I guess DH Kirilov, but then you have Luis Arias, which I think they like his bat at the top of that lineup, even though it's not a great power bat. It's a great on base bat. Um, and they keep putting them up there, playing different positions, but I think they're going to use the H to more so to keep Polanco healthy in the lineup, you know, Kepler, Buxton, definitely, you know what I mean? They want to keep those bats in the lineup while keeping them healthy. So Kriloff is either going to play left field where they don't really want to play him in, in the first place or, and, or, and then spell at first base to know and stuff. So I do think Kriloff's going to play in left field. I just don't know if we should be concerned about playing time, given all like how deep this team suddenly got, not to mention the potential, you know, there's still Larnick and others. And then there's the whole like bottom of the order thing. I'm just, I'm out on Karoloff. I don't know. I just, I I have have, reservations. I have a few shares and it's, I mean. It was before all the moves though. Yeah. If he hits the way I think he can hit, you look at his profile, uh, you know, manageable strikeout rate, 22.5% strikeout rate. Um, And you look at the underlying stats, 12.8% barrel rate, 43.9% hard hit rate. He had a 291 expected batting average, a 541 expected slug. Um, and if that wrist is, is fully healed, which uh, sounds like uh, maybe right after the surgery he had a little bit of a complication, but it seems like he's 100% now. Um, if he hits the way I think he can, which, you know, I, I'm kind of with the projections. I'm looking at some of these projections, like uh, the Bad X has him for a 277 batting average, 19 homers uh, with some chip-in steals. 
I don't think it's I, I can I, I don't think it'd be very hard for him to move up this lineup if he hits the way I feel that he can hit. Um, and so you look at like Gary right now, like on roster resource, you see Gary Sanchez ahead of him, Max Kepler, Miguel Sano. Um, you know, a, a lot of these guys too are you know injury risks. We uh, you know you you and I've been pretty excited about Buxton lately, but you know he's is still very much a, an injury risk, um, <laughs> big time injury risk with uh, Buxton. And then um, yeah, Sano. I think, you know, I do see a path here to, to him moving up that lineup, even if he does start off at the bottom, similar to maybe like Austin Riley, uh, his breakout last year. He started the season batting, you know, seventh, eighth uh, for the Braves and then uh, moved his way up to clean up by um, by the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I am on Karelov and, and his price is, uh, you know, pick 188 here in this range that we're looking at. Um, I, I think that's just fine. So, yeah, I'm taking that chance here. Well. I'd rather have a guy going right behind him than Andrew Benatendi, who's a apparently the cleanup hitter for the damn team. Yeah. <laughs> He's a, that's, yeah. That blows my mind, but I guess it's going to stick. I mean, you look at it like I, I don't see why it doesn't, right? I mean, that team, the way it's, the way it's laid out right now, I'm pulling up the roster to speak. I know it's uh, Whitmer for leading off, and you have Nicky Lopez batting second, uh, Salvi third, and then Benatendi fourth. And I wonder what that does for stolen bases. I think he's still going to run. From there, mm-hmm. I just I, I was expecting a two. I was expecting like a two hole spot. So now I have to take away some runs, put in some RBIs in my you know in my own little mental projection of it all. And yeah, you know I love Bennett. I know you do, but I'm just I'm actually going to look at the splits now, see if he hit in the middle of last year and how he ran. So he hit fourth. He bat he batted fourth last year. Had two stolen bases. So it's not so he didn't stop running. He did the most stolen bases he had was at the top of the lineup, obviously most attempts. But yeah. the second most attempts he had, which also coincides, he actually okay. So Ben Tendi had the most played appearances last year, but but not the most uh, stolen base attempts. So it's a little weird. It makes sense. Batting fourth, it's harder to run more because you know it's just people in front of people on base in front of you a lot more often and all that. So mm-hmm. just something to keep in mind. Maybe the stolen bases won't come back in a way that we were expecting initially because again, batting fourth. But um, yeah, all in all, it's interesting. We both are out on Joey Gallo. The batting average is too much of a hit to take. I don't, I don't care if he bats 220. The, I can make up power elsewhere. I love Robbie Grossman. Amazing hit. Like the dude has like a Z contact rate, which is contact you make in front in the zone, like 90% plus. The dude has amazing walk skills. Doesn't strike out a lot either. So it's just, I think a lot of his strikeouts for Grossman come from being a little overly passive. So right. Grossman's a guy that the on base skills are there. He's going to hit the top of the lineup. And he just came off a 2020 campaign. I don't think he's. I don't think he. I don't see why he can't repeat because he did it with the underlying metrics that he already has. I don't see Grossman changing as a player. The batting average isn't great, but I usually build that batting average because I really think fifteen fifteen is what you're getting. Anything above that is is just money in the bank. And Grossman again, how how this is the farthest you'll see. He's going around pick two hundred. How much farther? Like a guy just came off twenty twenty season. I can't name you another twenty twenty guy who's going nearly this late. There isn't one. That's why I no, don't understand no, the hate. Not. I don't understand the hate. I don't get it. Yeah, and uh, a guy like Robbie Grossman is why I'm I'm not drafting too much of like uh, Trent Grisham because it they're you know I, I think they're pretty similar. I take uh, both. <laughs> you take I, just both. Hate, I hate my batting average. I just hate my batting average. No, I yeah. usually build. I, I like to think I build up my batting average good enough because I think. And the thing is, is Grossman's two forty and Grisham's two forty. Not great, but league averages these days was what's the league average like two forty five yeah, or something. Yeah, for I mean, for 
for like a 15 team league like you want to hit like at like around 260 or so but yeah 240 is not going to kill you uh, one spot in your lineup if you're talking about a a deeper no, league two, uh, two spots league. i'm willing i'm willing to do it i'm willing to do it <laughs> i i honestly yeah. i don't think i've actually I, don't, I actually don't think i've gotten that combo this year but you're right like if i don't get grisham my fallback plan is grossman and yeah. I, i'm I'm trying. I'm, I'm looking up league average because yeah, I know I know what we aim for for leagues, but I am because the idea is to not take a guy. Like, but my my goal anyway is to not take a guy like a uh, that'll lose playing time. Like like Gallo, no, that will like Gallo that will sink your batting league average. Batting average last year was two forty four. So that's mm-hmm. what I was getting at is like these guys aren't necessarily negatives. You could build yeah. around them because they are league average and league average being two forty four last year for batting average. Grossman and Grisham will both give you roughly league average outcomes. So you can build, even though you want it to be high for fantasy purposes, it's easier to, I think you can build around a couple guys giving you league average. As long as you don't take on a Gallo or anything on top of that, you have to be very cognizant of, you can't take a Solaire, you can't take a Schwarber, you have to kind of build your power up with batting average earlier on to or take a Brian Reynolds like I love to do. And then hurt and, and hope that you can like not sink your power <laughs> It's it's a, it's a delicate game. It's definitely a delicate game if you're going to take both of them. I agree. But I do. I, I mean, in a deeper league, I think it's easier to get by. And I don't. I, but like you said, one or the other is fine too. But they're both. But they're both my guys. I love both those guys. I want all the shares. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, we can move on. What um, we got again? We're kind of in this big glob. Mentioned Solaire for power. Conforto. He's still not signed. So I don't know what to expect. Um, twenty-five to thirty home runs, 260, 250, 260 batting average. If he goes to cores, we'll up that from there. Pollock can't stay healthy. He's already dealing, he's already nicked up. Um, Ian Happ, he's coming back from an injury, actually. So I think he's been a relatively decent discount of late. I know uh, Simeon was in the draft with me, and Ian Happ fell like 100 picks past his ADP because initially, like, the news wasn't really out there, out there that he was like fine, that like, he's going to be back soon. And he already played today in a, a spring training game. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, it's funny. I, I just wanted to mention, I'm actually, uh, five picks away from my 17th round pick in a, in a DC at pick 253 and Ian Happ is still on the board. And I, I'm hoping that he falls to me another five picks. Um, I think it was pick like 220 something. I, I was torn between him and uh, Alejandro Kirk. And I, I wanted to take the catcher in Kirk and uh, you thinking took Kirk? Kirk doesn't even have a job yet. What are you doing? Why would you do it to yourself? Well, my plan is to take, to try taking Kirk and Jansen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Um, but yeah, I'm hoping he another five picks at two. But yeah, like he's uh, he's back. He was back in the lineup today, right? Yeah, that's why, yeah. and that's why I don't see why he like the discount. If you like him, these drafts that you're doing right now, he, Ian Happ could be a discount. But getting back to the again, it's just a bunch of like like AJ Pollock injury risk, but you know the floor is there. Solaire Power I mentioned Duvall very much a power. He's like a poor man's Gallo. I think Duvall can hit a, a, for a little better of an average, but the power ceiling isn't there for Duvall, so there's give and take. Next two guys, though, I'm very intrigued by. Joe Adele, who's been hitting relatively well in spring of memory serves, and Jesus Sanchez, who should be playing center field for the Marlins every day. He might be hitting, they might both be hitting closer to seventh in the lineup, but both have very flashy tools. Sanchez has the power, Joe Adele has the power and speed. I like both of them. Do you like both of them? I know you're a Sanchez guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love Sanchez. Um we saw last year 14 home runs and, and 251 plate appearances, hit 251. Now the strikeout rate, yeah, 31.1 percent, but wasn't really much of a problem in the minors. I, I, I'm hoping that you know um, maybe he could bring that down a bit. Uh, might just ha- have to be an adjustment. 
that he needs to make. Uh, but yeah, I do do really like Sanchez. Twelve percent barrel rate, forty-two percent hard hit rate. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think he could be a twenty-five to thirty home run hitter there uh, in Miami. And then you mentioned uh, Joe Adele. I don't have much Adele. I, I'm still kind of worried there. I do. I know that he did drop his strikeout rate down, but I'm not sure how how much I'm buying that. Uh, just looking at the contact rate, I mean, about 15% swinging strike rate still, uh, 40% O swing. I'm not sure I'm buying that 22.9% strikeout rate. I do think that um, it can come back up. I, I know he flashed, you know, some good things uh, late in the season, Joe Adele. Um, but yeah, like I said, just that that swing strike rate and um, that O swing, he's still chasing a lot. I, I I do see that strikeout rate coming back up. So I'm I've been a little scared off of uh, off of Adele. Yeah, I just think that it's rare to get something in terms of that type of power speed combo this late or potential for one compared to like because now that you're getting to Joe Pastor Joe Adele, Harrison Bader, who I thought might have had a chance to hit sixth, they kind of showed their hand again today and realized okay, Bader's probably gonna be more of like a nine spot hitter as as we all kind of initially anticipated anyway. Ramon Laureano, who would be the guy here for the power speed, is missing 20 games or 20-something games. Enrique Hernandez doesn't really run. You know, he's going to lead off, et cetera. Austin Hayes loses that bump from, you know, being from that good home park because the, the, the left field wall got pushed back so far. He's one of those guys that gets affected from it more than others. Charlie Blackman's just old. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just some old man bias, but the dude's going to lead off for the Rockies, so he's not a terrible value. I just I can't get behind it. Julio Rodriguez, I'm just kind of running through some of these because it's kind of like pick your poison here. J-Rod showing having a big spring. I don't think he breaks camp. Do you think he breaks camp with the team? I don't think he breaks camp, but I mean, I think he's one of these prospects. Like, like he's probably the closest thing to Juan Soto since Juan Soto came up. You know, like that type of prospect. I think he can be that type of guy where he comes up and immediately makes an impact. Um, I mean, he looks like just an absolute stud. I wouldn't be surprised if he's up by May. Um, so I wouldn't mind taking him here. Uh, you mentioned Enrique Hernandez. I I, I really like Enrique Hernandez uh, go, going this late. And like you said, at this point, it's just like, what do you need? And for me, uh, Hernandez, batting average that doesn't kill you, good play discipline. He's going to hit the top of that lineup and score a ton of runs. Doesn't strike out too much. So, I mean, you could theoretically see um, a little bit of upside with the batting average. Probably not too much. He's probably going to hit around 250, maybe 260 tops. But um, really flashed some power down the stretch uh, last year, too. You you saw a playoff, playoff Kike Hernandez. I mean, that was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I re- really like him. I think he's a good fit for, for any team. Uh, he, he's probably my favorite here. Bader, someone that, you know, I've taken a chance on, on Bader. Uh, but like you say, he's going to hit lower in the lineup. Probably won't give you many counting stats, but still a good uh, power speed potential there with, with Bader. Um, Austin Hayes, I'm, I haven't really drafted. Uh, Charlotte Blackman either. I could see the appeal for Blackman if you need batting average. Um, if you need to supplement some batting average. Same with Michael Brantley going just a, a few picks uh, later, but... Yeah, uh, I'll probably take a couple chances on on Julio Rodriguez. Speaking of uh, young players with upside, at least perceived upside once upon a time, Andrew Vaughn going right there beyond uh, Michael Brantley, J-Rod. I don't like how they treat him in Chicago. I think his best path to playing time is at right field, and he has been playing mostly right field this spring. So Vaughn's a guy that, although I think the hit tool is there and he still has the skill set, I just don't trust the White Sox to play him as much as they should. So for that reason, I'm out on him. Do you feel the same with when it comes to Vaughn? I do. I do. It's um, unfortunate. I, yeah, I, I think I might have one share of, of Vaughn. 
I do still believe in the player. I'm just not sure it's going to happen this year. I think I, and, but he's one of these guys that it might just take like a small tweak in his approach. Cause you look at his hard hit rate, 46% hard hit rate, 10% barrel rate, but only a 34.9% pull rate. If you can get that pull rate up to like 40%, I think we could see Andrew Vaughn take off. So he's one of these guys that I, I, there is something there, but just given the playing time context, um, I, you know, I'm not sure it's going to happen this season, but I, I do still have high hopes for Vaughn uh, long term. I'm just not sure I'm buying it this year. Um, I think he, we need to see some improvement against righties. And um, and if he could change his approach a bit, I, I think it could do wonders. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I got caught up in a meme on 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 Facebook, on uh, Twitter, which I'm not supposed to be on Twitter <laughs> while podcasting, but my ADHD kicks in bad. So we're getting to the back end here. Um, this is, again, back to your dart throws. We mentioned Lane Thomas. The one, one thing I'll note about him, I'm still not out, I'm not out on him, but obviously Lane Thomas is projected to hit closer to six in that lineup, and that takes away from his at-bats and the potential to run. He's still going to run because when you look at the seven, eight, nine hitters in that lineup, not much to write home about. That leaves Thomas with the potential to push himself on the base paths to, you know, get into run manufacturing positions. So I'm thinking he's still going to run, but he loses some at bats, which when you lose at bats, you lose the potential for production, blah, blah, blah. So a little bit of a hit, but still going to play, I think, every day. Tapia, I guess he's a starter. There's talks about him being the starter. Joe, the fourth outfield type. We'll see. Hampson completely off my board. He's pretty much relegated to a, a backup role. Riley Green, he's... I don't. They talked about Torkelson and Riley Green breaking camp. They're not going to be held back. Last I checked, Riley Green's having a solid spring training so far. He'll be hitting probably in the lower third of that lineup as well. Just like Torque, I guess they would both kind of hit their way up. But do you think Riley Green breaks camp, or do you think it's more like a they're just trying to sell us on this whole idea of them not being cheap skates over there in Detroit after one signing this offseason? Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna depend how the next couple of weeks of spring training plays out. But I do think that there is still a lot of swing and miss. I think there is, you know, tantalizing upside with with Riley Green. I mean, he's he looks like a really good prospect. I'm just not sure. Um, I think with him, we might still there might still be too much swing and miss in that profile to really make an impact. Um, I, I do think that. You know, maybe he does need a little bit more time in the minors, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but for me, I'm looking at, you know, historically, like his strikeout rates uh, in the minors. And um, I, I know he's striking out a, a bit in, in, in camp right now. I'm, but w- when he hits the ball, it looks it looks incredible. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that when I'm in on When he hits the ball. <laughs> I love how you put, <laughs> like how you put that. Do, do you think yeah. Tommy Pham... Uh, by the way, gets I know I just kind of weirdly transitioned. By the way, Tommy Pham, do you think he signs anywhere ever? I do. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do. I think <laughs> what's going on? Ever? I mean, I, I think I'll bet against ever. But... <laughs> <laughs> You'll take it's like you bet 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 this one guy or the field. You're gonna take the field every time. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Who knows? It could be the Rockies. <laughs> the Rockies make too much sense. I think we joked about that in the Discord. The Rockies make too much sense because we're over here fighting over who's gonna play center field or right field, and then there's Tommy Pham just sitting here chilling, like, hey, I can do that, I guess, if you need me. And right. that'd be a great, it would actually be a good fit. We'd have, we could stop arguing about Sam Hilliard and jo- Connor Joe and um, Ryan Maltapia. Like, let's just get Conforto and Fam in there and call it a day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it's a mess, man. Mark Canna, Will Myers. Like, I think Yaz has a chance to lead off against righties again. I mean, they've been leading them off every spring training start. A lot of the Giants team doesn't isn't really in these lineups yet. 
but today's was like halfway decent with starters and he was still leading off. I don't know if it's just getting him some at bats very well could be with the giants, but your strips, he could be leading off against righties. So it's something worth monitoring. Kepler's a platoon bat. Santander is actually not hundred percent per uh, the article, what mining news article from just Zimmerman. He meant, so that's yeah, worth it, monitoring. He is playing like every other day though. So it's not like he's, he's like, he says he's like 90%, which he's playing in spring training games. Not sure there's anything wrong there. Uh, Ortega's been leading off in spring training. Him or Madrigal, I guess. I think Ortega's going to get the first shot at it. Um, we're at that again. We're at that range back at the draft. Is there a name or two here that really stands out to you? Uh, there's yeah, just, no. Again, I mean, we're, I, we're at the back end of I that kinda, top 100. Right. Yeah, we're looking uh, closer to pick 300 now, and and usually, like, I I'd love to have my outfield filled uh, by <laughs> by this point. Yeah, yeah you're I do think. <laughs> I do think there's some uh, bounce back potential for Yastrzemski. It's funny. I was looking at the Giants uh, batting order today when the game was starting and you just see like zeros across the board. Like no one had gotten a hit yet, except for Darren Ruff was like one for three. His his line said uh, 333. And I'm like, oh, no wonder they gave him an extension. <laughs> yeah, he can hit lefties or no, he can hit yeah. right. He's a, he's a wait. I always forget with Ruff is a righty. He, right? he hits lefties. Yeah, he hits, he hits lefties. lefties really well. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Other than that, I mean, uh, Brandon Nimmo's got the good power speed combo potential. But I mean, can he stay on the field? Andrew McCutcheon, uh, I, I do. I know that they said he he's gonna get most of his starts at DH. I think that's how it was worded. But does that necessarily mean he's gonna be the primary DH? You know, I'm not too sure. Just considering, I mean, last year he was pretty atrocious against righties. I mean, he could still hit lefties. Um, but what he mm-hmm. is getting at that age where these splits might be a little more pronounced at this point and it, how long can they keep him uh full time at dh against righties if if he's not hitting them very well so i, I mean i like uh mccutcheon I, I do think that milwaukee is a great spot for him but i'm a little concerned there about uh, the splits for- free tyrone taylor <laughs> yes please like, please all- <laughs> i still think taylor is going to find his way into somewhat regular playing time but that's just maybe that's me wish casting a little bit um, a guy that I really like here is Tyler Naquin. If you look at him last year, he kind of put up poor man Winker numbers, 19 home runs, five stolen bases. Projections have him around 20 and five. And Wink- and Knight and Winker, Naquin kind of does what Winker does. Naquin crushes righties. He can't hit lefties either. I know they might want to platoon him. I don't know if they can. They, I mean, they, I mean, they have Senzel. They have Aquino. I don't know if Senzel's going to be an everyday guy or a platoon bat. I honestly have no idea what they plan to do with Senzel. But I do know that they have enough to do these platoons that Naquin might not play against a tough lefty. But I think Naquin's going to play against most and hit towards the top of the lineup. I, I just think he's very solid, safe. He's kind of like my fallback. Like, like you mentioned, you don't want to fill your fifth outfield spot here. Well, if I done and screwed up again, like I've done in the past, Naquin, I have no problem making him my fifth outfielder. But you better believe I'm backing him up with a few other names, obviously. But Naquin's that guy. It's like, if I really screw up, he's going at 321 on average in OCs over the last uh, month, roughly. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm grabbing at the back end of the drafts if I can, or the back end of uh, like I said, fifth outfield spot in certain formats. Yeah, guy the that thing, I'm really on. I, I like that because I mean the the thing about Cincinnati is even if he has, um, even if he's not hitting lefties well, you look at their team. You know they ship out Suarez, they ship out Winker. This isn't a, like a team that for me says like they're gonna platoon everybody every day. I think there is path to everyday playing time and maybe let him hit through his his splits maybe that brings down the the batting average a little bit but if that means he can be a 250 hitter with 25 homers and maybe five to you know 
even approaching double digit steals. I could see there's there's a path to that. There's a path to everyday playing time for me when I'm looking at these Cincinnati guys. Which brings me to um, a couple, a few picks later. Inter- interesting guys, Kyle Lewis and Nick Senzel back to back. We know why they're going here. Uh, you know, injuries. These guys can't stay healthy. Kyle Lewis, Nick Senzel. Um, I have I have a bit of Senzel. I have quite a bit of Sen- Senzel. Uh, just because again. I see the path to everyday playing time um, if he could stay on the field. And, and he's going late enough where if he's a like sixth, seventh, eighth outfielder, um, I, I don't mind taking a chance on that. Uh, we, we saw some uh, improvements there last year, even in just the 36-game the sample. He only struck out 12% of the time. Uh, you know, pr- pretty good, better uh, batted ball metrics. So I do think there's still potential there with Senzel. We'll see if he can actually stay healthy. I don't know. Do you, do you have any... Um, thoughts on on these two guys here lewis and senzel with lewis for me it's like seattle uh, where's he gonna play you know especially when James- i agree that's why i'm not really drafting kylo kyu kyle lewis sorry <laughs> that's then <laughs> oh gosh man my kids grew up on Caillou. all right anyway uh but yeah i'm more interested in senzel just because you mentioned the for, the former top prospect pedigree with senzel paired with the potential for playing time it's an easy uh, smash play this late in drafts. One guy I like going right around there as well. When I if I and I, I've been taking him over Senzel lately. Talk about playing every day. Talk about top prospect pedigree. Someone who's actually shown the capabilities of performing at the major league level. Even Victor Robles, baby, I'm back, <laughs> and uh, he's going to be batting ninth for this team. But I think he's going to play every day for center field, and I feel like the pressure is off now. The expectations are kind of gone away. And Robles is going to be able to kind of feast or famine and batting ninth and where you're getting them in drafts speed too, speed and power combination, but at least definitely speed. What's the, what, why, what there's no, there's no real risk here is how I'm viewing it. And you, you're getting them in the reserve rounds, no matter what format you're in for the most part, minus and only obviously. And Robles is a perfect balance back candidate has all the, you know, he even has the work ethic to do it. Like what two years ago, he gate put on all that muscle. Last year he dropped it all and he had to reconfigure himself. Maybe this year it's like, okay, maybe it'll all come together now that he's like stops going up and down, fluctuating. And again, I feel like the pressure's off of him. I think that's a big deal. And I there's no quantifying that. That's just more of a gut feel. Cause when you think about Victor Robles, you're not thinking, oh, top prospect that needs to perform. You're thinking, well, let's see if he still has anything left. And that shift in mindset to a, for, from, from a general public's perspective to a player might make the player think, oh, not only do I want to prove them, I do have something left, but now no one's expecting it, so you can kind of just go out there and play your game. Yeah. Yeah, that's I can I, see so, it for that's sure. Where, that's where I'm at. Again, that's, again, and considering the, the, the acquisition costs, you know, mm-hmm. it's either him or Dominic Smith. It's not that difficult for me. Him or Josh Harrison, not that difficult for me. Uh, like I say, it gets a little difficult around Sinzel because I like Sinzel, but... I'll take Robles at this point. Again, it's like, look who's around him. Kane, Richard. No, give me Victor right. Robles. That's why. That's one reason why a lot of it's like also, yeah, just look who's around. So, yeah, that's about it with that. Um, I think we can call it there. There's, we talked about a lot of good outfielders tonight. So don't forget, five-star rating review on your way out for those who are still listening. Um, check us out on the Patreon. It's links are all over the place. Twitter's. Uh, you can find it, obviously, patreon.com slash skplaybook or on our skplaybook.com website. You can find it. Uh, what else? Oh, Twitter's at Mike underscore Curlin. George is at Roto underscore Nino. I think I hit on everything. I'm I'm trying to get better at the whole self promotion, self plugging thing. It's it's not my forte. I'm not a salesman, but hey, oh, I got articles coming out on the Athletic. You're getting ramped up over there, at NBC. So look out for that stuff. Um, 
we're, we we have I think are we have Ryan, which is Ven underscore Armbarn, who's going to be writing for us in season, and we might be looking for one more writer. So anybody interested, let us know. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's everything, George. Um, yeah. So we'll sign off there, and uh, everyone appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.